0: So, last week we talked about the fact that everybody is welcome at the table. We talked about, through the use of the picture of communion, of the Lord's Supper, some of the disciples of Jesus, and how we can see in them, they weren't perfect. They had faults, they had failings, and yet Jesus welcomed them to the table just as he welcomes us to his table, and today we want to kind of look at it differently, and and I guess the best way to start, probably not the best way, at least the way I'm going to start, is by telling you a story I heard about a classroom where the teacher asked some of her students to bring something in that symbolized their religion or their faith. Well, the little kiddos went home and thought about it, talked to their parents, and one of the people in that classroom was Jewish, and so they had a couple of things that they brought in. One thing they brought in, as you might expect, is the Star of David, pretty important symbol of Judaism, as well as a menorah, symbolic of the temple and Hanukkah. Actually, there are two different menor- menorahs, but they brought them in, and that made sense. Told about their faith. Another of the, the students was Catholic, and as they thought about something that would represent their faith, they brought in a rosary necklace with the beads and explained how they used them. Of course, one of those students was Baptist. And what do you bring in if you're a Baptist to somehow demonstrate? And so they thought and they talked to parents and they decided the best thing to bring in is a casserole dish. (laughs) Because if you've ever been in a Baptist church, you are familiar with that biblical word potluck. No, no, I guess not. And so that's what we do from time to time. We churches have potluck dinners and often they'd bring in, you know, we do that as well from time to time. You bring in your casserole, your dish, and come. And so the little student brought that in. I think that makes sense for us. You know, we Baptists like to No, fellowship. That's the biblical word. Fellowship. Fellowship. Come on, you sound spiritual that way. We like to fellowship around food. That's how it was done, right? No, that's what we do. And so so I, I think about the, the picture of that. And, and if last week we said everybody's welcome at the table, today I want to make this point. Everybody can bring something to the table. Now, I'm not talking just physically when we have those potluck opportunities and dinners and that sort of thing. But I mean, as one of the privileges we have as Christians is when we come to the table, we are accepted and forgiven because of what, Jesus Christ has done by his death and resurrection. But we are also unique and able to bring to that table things that nobody else can bring. We have both the privilege and the responsibility of coming to the table with the gifts that God has entrusted us with. And I want to look today at a passage of Scripture where uh, Paul writes about how that kind of, in his view, works in church world, as I like to call it. It's in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4. If you brought your copy of the Bible, you can turn there. Or maybe if you want to use ones that are under the seats, we also have it up on the screens, as is our custom. Uh, Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 11, is where we're going to start. Let me just read the passage with you together, and then we'll kind of go back and look at it. Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 11, Paul writes this. It was he, meaning Jesus So Paul, in those verses, kind of lays out the fact that we all have something we can bring to the table. And I want to run through it, just kind of look at the verses and see how they, they fit together. And it starts by saying in verse 11, it was he, it was Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. Now, in this verse, kind of sets the stage. These pastors, these offices or these gifts, we might say, are are sort of the leadership gifts given to the church. These are the only ones kind of enumerated in this passage. You may have heard talk about spiritual gifts and other things, and there's usually a long list of them. But here, Paul has in mind these sort of important leadership gifts to the church. They're given to the church as, as the ones who would kind of set the pace and set the stage for things to come, and we could we could look to them individually i do 't want to take a lot of time just in general apostles, certainly we think about the twelve apostles, the twelve disciples that began the church and their their key role in it. Um, some people think about apostleship as the idea of those who sort of blazed the trail and When you think about the the early church uh, the early part of the church days, these were the men who uniquely gifted by God went out and, and started what began as this thing we call the church that continues to this day. Um, prophets, those would be, a lot of times we think of those who see the future and tell the future, which is is sometimes in mind there, but there's also the prophetic tendency to just see things in and, and black and white, to be able to take and Here's the way we we put it in in sometimes church world, because we like things to be a little alliterative or memorable. Not only do prophets foretell, meaning tell the future, but they also tell. How's that for preacher words? Um, Meaning they speak forth the truth of God. So prophets are given to the church. They're the ones that, that are very clear. It's like black and white, right and wrong, and they don't mind getting up in your business, That's not biblical exactly language, but you understand probably what that means when they want to be clear about the principles and the priorities that you need to have in your life that you're straying away from. Evangelists, the next group, those are the ones that, you know, in my day we used to have traveling evangelists. Itinerant evangelists is the the formal word. In fact, we got a book at one time in in Southern Baptist life that they would mail to all the churches that was a directory of the itinerant evangelists. Isn't that exciting? It was riveting reading, let me tell you. Pictures and everything of all these people. Um, that, and you could call them. It went by region. So if you wanted to do a revival, does anybody remember a revival, The two-week, two-week revival? Anybody got a two-week revival where you started on Sunday and went till not the next Sunday, but two Sundays later, and you came to church every night? Not a single amen. <laughs> yeah. Every night, you'd, Sunday you'd start, they'd bring the evangelist in town, they, they had different theme this is what we did, like one night would be youth night, which means one thing, pizza party, right? And you'd bring all your friends and give them free pizza, and I think pizza is the means by which God works in the Holy Spirit through youth, it just seems to go together. Um, sometimes they'd have like, depending on the size of your town, if there was a college in town, they'd have college night, and they'd usually bring in a Christian artists to do a concert, in fact, when and Dr. Billy Graham was in Tampa at one of the last crusades he did, um, they did that one night. It was a young adult kind of emphasis. They brought in jars of clay, who sort of maybe not as popular these days. That was a long time ago, nonetheless. Um, and so packed the stadium, Tampa Stadium, out. So we have these revivals, different theme nights, two weeks. And the evangelist is the one, uh, mostly that that their bent is toward presenting the gospel. And somehow God just seems to supernaturally use them to be effective in and people responding in faith to the gospel, to giving their hearts and lives to Jesus Christ and becoming saved. So that's the evangelist role. And the last one, um, I think these two are together. And I won't bore you with the the Greek about where the article fits and the different word in Greek for the 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 word and in this passage. But pastors and teachers is almost like this is two sides of the same office that the pastoral side the the sort of caring for the flock pastor kind of being a shepherding term and uh teaching the taking the the principles of the bible and explaining them in a way that hopefully makes sense to people um these are the the ones that are given to the church and now here is kind of the part of the the verse that speaks to us who are leaders to me primarily this is what happens god gives to the church leaders particularly with these gifts And that's important. Now, here's where we have to be careful. Um, It's easy in our world, because I think this is happening not only in the secular world, but increasingly in church world, to elevate some of these individuals that have these gifts to celebrity status. And what happens is they're put up on a pedestal as the best and the brightest, and people flock to hear or attend the church that some such and so person is in. And there are lots of them that have lots of people. There are some of them that I enjoy listening to, podcast or online as I do that, um, and, and really get a lot out of them. But the, the tendency is to think what really you need in the church is the superstar, you need the celebrity. But here's a quote I want to leave with you. I don't know where it came from. I can't remember where I heard it or read it. But, but this is something we need to remember. Great churches are not built on the talents of a few. Great churches are built on the sacrifices of many. And so we have to understand, yes, this is where this passage starts. But this isn't the focus of this passage. This is the introductory verse. This is just going to set the stage for the meat that is to come next. This verse isn't saying, hey, these are the most important things, the most important people you need in a church, and if you have these, you're going to be fine. No, it's not that at all. It's not saying, find the superstar, find the celebrity, find the talented ones that are up on stage and out front and, and have the social media following or have the notoriety. And if you have that, that's what it's going to do. No, it says, these unique individuals gifted by God are given to the church. But they're given to the church for a purpose. And the purpose is not self-promotion or somehow putting yourself at the front. The purpose begins to show up in the next verse. It was he, Jesus, who gave these people, verse 12, to the church to, it says, prepare God's people for works of service. So, so let's just be clear. Who here would God's people have in mind? All you ewins, you're familiar with that conjugation, right? There's y'all and there's y'wins. You know what? You're a ewin. All a ewins. All a y'all. If you're here, you guys. Did I hear use guys? Oh, that's a different whole dialect. I don't know. Any you any skies peoples here? Yeah, okay, we'll pray for you. Uh, no. God's people are all those anywhere who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ, have, who have a place at the table, who have been accepted into the family of God, believers in Jesus Christ, to prepare God's people for works of service. So the, these uniquely gifted people given to the church evangelists, prophets, apostles, pastors, and teachers are given for the purpose that they're going to prepare everybody else for works of service with something in mind so that the body of Christ may be built up. That's the the goal. The people given as leaders in the church to prepare the people of the church to do the work of service so that the body of Christ, in other words, for the church, may grow. Now how many of you can go back with me a few years and remember the town skating rink. Anybody go skating? That was like in my town in Leesburg, if you had a skating party, that was the top of the food chain. You were somebody. Like everybody wanted to have a skating party. No, we didn't have ice, no, definitely not ice. That's of the devil. No, just kidding. <laughs> why we're in South Florida. Now, I was not the best skater. In fact, I was horrible. I used the patented one foot push method where I never moved my left leg. I just sort of did this with my, it was really dorky. Um, And so my least favorite time when I went to the skating rink whether it was a birthday party or just on a Saturday afternoon, is when the 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 DJ called out, couple skate, only couples skate." I mean, uh, couple skate, couples, yeah. That's when I would just <laughs> go sit down because it wasn't going to happen. It was just one of those things. Not going to be the case. Couples skate. Um, my Actually, that probably wasn't my least favorite. That was really low. I didn't like couple skate, because, you know, I never got to couple skate. There was then kind of the, the really next one that was horrible when the the DJ would say, backwards skate, oh, backwards skate. Anybody else? I, can anybody skate backwards? John, if I'd have known that, I'd have set up a little rink here. So you could, Yeah. And, and when that happened, like, 95% of the people have to get off the rink, and those three show-offs get out there. And they skate around backwards to the music, and we all, and then the next couple skate, you know who always had a friend, huh? It was those backwards skaters. Because if you have a couple skate, sometimes they would show off, and in couple skate, one of them would skate. Is this taking you back at all? See, and sometimes we can make church seem like it's a skating rink. And we want to say, oh, it's it's only backward skate here at church world, only for the best, brightest, most talented, only for those who can get out there and do things that nobody else can. That's what church is for, just for backward skate. But that's not the case. That's not what this verse tells us. This verse tells us my favorite skate is what it's about. It's about all skate. When the when the, MC, uh, the DJ would get on there and say, okay, everybody, all skate. I meant everybody, even One Foot Charlie could get out there and skate around that rink and it was awesome. Every, nobody called me that. I just made that up. Um, but I have a feeling that will be my... Forget Pastor Charles. Forget PC. It's One Foot Charlie. Yeah. You know, you're going to remember nothing else about this entire service, but you'll remember that till the day you die. Oh, well. Uh, We should just sing and go home now. It's pointless, isn't it? Oh, geez. Okay, anyway. All skate, that's where we were. The, the, The Church of Jesus Christ is an all skate sort of thing. Everybody is invited to the table and everybody brings something unique to the table that they can use in this thing we call the church and some of the things that you use aren't the ones the ones sometimes in fact that we elevate and say oh that's the most important are probably some of the least important the things that that so many people i want to do that or i want to do that or no see those are as necessary in the church as things that you think are totally unseen and unimportant. The little things are just as big as the big things. There's no unimportant piece in our church, in any church. We all have a part to play. We all have something that we can bring to the table. And so this passage tells us this is how the church ideally should work. That God gives to the church leadership and their their task is to allow the people in the church and to equip and prepare the people in the church to do works of service. And when that happens, the result is the body of Christ may be built up. Now, I think that means two things. I think it means, on the one hand, it grows. We might say it gets larger because people... Um, want to belong to something where they feel like they have a role to play and they can contribute and they can be a part of something. But I also think it means for you and I, we get built up individually when we begin to serve others. When we find our place where we can serve somebody else, that does us good. It motivates us. It grows us. It's something that has a positive result in our own life in fact i think if we look a little bit further in this passage we see that that that's the case because it says in the next verse until we all reach unity in the faith verse 13 and in the knowledge of the son of god and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of christ so that's being built up yes a lot of people talk about the most important thing that can happen in church world is your church has the most numbers and if you are like me and you're kind of listening and reading things about church world because that's where you live and work and all that sort of thing, um, that seems to be the highest goal. The most lauded churches and people are the one with the most people that attend their church. And there's value there. It's great. We need to reach. We have 7 billion plus people on the face of the earth. We are, even in our country, way behind the curve in reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But there's also the reality that we should reach maturity and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And here's the best part of that verse. It's the, the, the first line. As we do that, as we begin to serve, finding our place at the table, bringing something to the table, sir, doing these works of service, one of the things I think that naturally comes out is unity. We reach unity in the faith old saying, I've used it before, I kind of like it, I wish, I don't know where it came from, I never used it where I grew up, but I heard it somewhere along the lines, goes like this, fighting dogs don't hunt, and hunting dogs don't fight. Which is an interesting thought. Because I've been in churches, and you probably have too, where the church was a fighting church. Every time we had a business meeting, it was ding, 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 round one. Right? And A lot of times, that focus that ends up to those divisions and fights means the church is not making any difference in the lostness of the world, reaching outside its doors, looking to penetrate this community or whatever community with the gospel of Jesus Christ, the hope of the world. And by the other token, I've been a lot of churches where the focus is always on how can we reach out and, and how can we do this and what can we do to serve our community, and very rarely... When that church is focused outward and looking for doing the thing God called us to do to reach into the world, very rarely do you find those churches fighting over the color of the carpet because those things aren't important. The important thing is what can we do to reach this this community? We we see that in our own church. Um, we have you. I'm sure you're aware we have a Wednesday night dinner, and people come on Wednesday night to help cook the dinner. I know it's remarkable. You would think you know you just wiggle your nose and dinner happens, right? Right, Rick. Yeah, okay. And and they've just started, not so long ago, um, instead of using disposable or foam plates, they started using the real plates and silverware. You know those things don't wash themselves? But there are people that come, and they found their place at the table, and they come early, and, and they might help cook, chop up vegetables, make a salad, get behind the the stove and cook something. There are people that come a little later that serve the people that come. There are people that come even later and wash dishes for Jesus. Isn't that a beautiful thing? And, And you know what is invariably the case? If you talk to those folks that come, they're excited about coming. They're excited about serving. They're not, oh, you didn't wash that fork right. You're fired. No, I mean, there's, there's a sense of unity. We're doing something together. We found our place. We're doing something for the kingdom. We have our school supply giveaway coming up, right, Diane? Just a few months. And those ladies, I'm amazed at the number of bags they put together because many times your generosity and the organization that they have and when they're on that task, the people that find their spot because they know they're making a difference in these families' lives by giving them a bag of school supplies. We go to Kmart around Christmas, and we wrap gifts for free, and we have a ball out in front of Kmart, wrapping gifts, laughing, meeting people, and there's not a lot of, you know what, you wrap that gift really lousy-like. You can't come back tomorrow. No, it's like we're in this together, and we're serving people, and it's, it's fun, and it makes a difference. And those are just a few things. There are a ton of other things we could mention, but but what I see in this verse is that when we find our spot at the table and we begin to serve others and serve alongside each other, the natural result is there's unity around a common goal. There's maturity. Nothing grows you up like having responsibility, huh? I remember those chores as a kid. They were great fun, weren't they? But that's, you know, kind of a measure of your, but I wanted the allowance. You remember your allowance? Do do you still give allowances today? How many of you adults still get an allowance from your, so your your husbands, you get an allowance from your wife, right? Yeah, that's usually how it goes. Um, Allowances are great, but you had to usually work for them. Responsibility will grow you up. And the goal is that we all find our place so that we attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Christ is, is God in the flesh, the second person of the Trinity, eternal, greater than you and I could ever comprehend. We have no way in our finite minds of coming to even the slightest grip with an infinite God who revealed himself in his infinite Son, Jesus. And the only way we can even get close to approaching the fullness that is Christ is when the fullness of all of us, each of us, finds our part, our place. We need each other. We were made for each other. God sovereignly crafts and uniquely puts together the church, this church, for His purposes, for His glory. He goes on in the next verse, and Paul says, then, verse 14, we will no longer be infants. So continuing the idea of maturity and growing up. But notice how he describes infants. Infants are those who are tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. We live in a world, I think, that's getting awfully close to the return of Christ. I don't have a timetable, I'm not predicting a date, but I look around and it seems like it could be any minute. Nobody knows the day or the hour, even Jesus says that, but, reading the signs, we could be close. And one of the things that happens the closer we get to the end, the closer we get to the return of Christ, is deception increases. And part of that deception, I think, is the proliferation of teaching, the, the appealing to the ears, the, some people call it easy believism um, is one phrase that's used. This, this idea of, oh, you know, if I could, Mention a lot of them specifically, but I'll leave them all out and say there's a lot of that in our world, and it's incredibly available to us because of the way technology is. You can, who needs to go to church? I can sit at home and watch on my television in my pajamas with my coffee. I should stop now. I'm giving you ideas. Or who needs to get up early? So what if the show comes on at 8 o'clock? I can DVR it. Listen to it later. TV, that's old school. I'm just going to download it on my, my tablet or on my, my smartphone and listen to it whenever I want to or watch it whenever I want right? to. Podcasts, video podcasts, good things. Um, this isn't the point of the message, so if you're taking notes, make sure you scratch that part out and don't get the wrong idea, right? We have this incredible access to teaching, and you have to be discerning. I've said this before. I'll say it again. No matter where you hear teaching, test it. You need to be in the word yourself. If I come up here and I preach, and you're like, something inside you goes, "Hmm?" grab your Bible, read. And if you find that there's something there that's unbiblical, come talk to me. We need each other. Iron sharpens iron. I need what you bring to the table as much as you need what I bring to the table. And I'm far from perfect. Far from it. I'm going to have a lot to answer for one day as a pastor. Can't wait. (laughs) But if you can help me, that's one less thing, right? I'll repent of it now. I won't have to later. Good thing, right? So wherever you hear it, test it. Against what you know to be scripture, the Bible, hold it up. Assume in some. See, see I have this thing. I, I basically trust nobody. Is that bad? It's sort of my, my. Uh, I don't know what it is, but but that's it. You know, I'm kind of I'm just a critical person, and that's not good in some ways. But at times it, it, it can serve you well. And so learn to be critically critical thinkers, particularly biblically critically thinkers. That's horrible grammar somewhere, but anyway, I hope you get the idea. Test everything against the word of God. If something doesn't measure up, throw it away, don't pursue it. Because this verse says, you will be confronted with things teaching. Every wind of teaching, the cunning and craftiness of men, deceitful scheming, those are all negative things. People out to get something. We know there are lots of people out to use Christianity or religion or the gospel for their own personal gain. And Paul says, as you get your place at the table, as you learn to serve others, as you grow up, you can increasingly avoid these issues. He goes on in the next verse, verse 15, and says, "...instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head." That is Christ. From him, verse 16, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. A couple of things. Did you notice how, in this section, love keeps showing up? Do you think love might be important? you think, as part of Paul writing this, he's trying to communicate to you that what is key to these relationships in the body is love? That God demonstrates His love for us through the gift of Jesus, and then we relate to each other in love. And oh, by the way, just so we're clear, love isn't total acceptance. Sometimes love means speaking the truth in love. That's what we just talked about. Somebody veers from God's word, and part of our responsibility is to help win them back. Maybe to to have that conversation and say, "Listen, I think you're off here. Let me." point you back in the right direction. That's speaking the truth. Those aren't un, those aren't always terribly easy conversations to have. They can be difficult. They might not always be received well. But it's our responsibility to look out for one another in that way, speaking the truth in love, joined together, growing up and building itself up in love, as each part does its work. I like the word ligament in this last verse. I'm a sports fan. I won't bore you with my sports stories, but I know that if you've followed sports at all, you know the importance of a ligament because there are multi-million dollar athletes that will just be running down the field and all of a sudden they fall over, grab a knee, grab an a ankle, and they're out because some ligament or tendon has been strained or torn. You would think A running back in in the NFL, you know, six foot two, 200 plus pounds of solid muscle. What would this little itty bitty couple of inches of tiny tissue, how could that stop him? It stops him completely. The basketball player, seven feet tall, you know, they didn't have to jump to slam dunk, right? And he lands wrong, and that same little couple inches of Tiny connective tissue snaps. Well, what does he need that for? He's seven foot tall. What does an inch or two matter? It makes all the difference because he's on the sidelines for a year. The point is, we as the church, ligaments matter. We think, oh, you know, it's this or that. No, I'm I'm just a little ligament. You could be the most important ligament there is. You could be key to the effectiveness of the entire body. As every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up, as each part does its work, here's the other part. You can't be the ligament and say, you know what? I'm kind of tired. I'm taking the day off. Well, it's just a ligament. Try to play basketball without an ACL. Not going to work, right? Just a ligament. It's not important. It's just small. No, every part is important. As Every part does its work we all building ourselves up, building the church up, somehow living together, finding our place at the table, serving our community, serving each other, the result is the body, the family, the church is effective. Now, as I say all this, I I guess I I skipped over it in my notes. I should have said it then. Um, But here's the thing that I have to confess when i Verse 11 and 12, see, I'm a kind of I'll-just-do-it-myself kind of guy. Um, you don't all have to shake your heads like that. I mean, what in the world? <laughs> this is supposed to be my moment. You're supposed to be compassionate and sympathetic. and I'm like, yeah, it's about time you realized it. No. And I get it. And so I realize my tendency is I'd just rather do it myself or I'll just do it myself. I don't want to bother anybody. I don't want to call somebody. I don't want to, I'll just do it. And so, while on the one hand, that's good because whatever it is gets done, on the other hand, I have to confess I haven't done what I'm put here to do in those instances. I'm supposed to be the one who prepares all the Ewans, or use guys, to do the works of service. And that's the beauty of the church, isn't it? that you hire staff to do the work so you can just come and sit and leave. No, it's that the staff's job is to equip everybody to find their spot at the table. And when everybody has their spot at the table, when everybody begins to do the thing God uniquely crafted you to do, gifted you to do, put you here to do, we're all better for it. We're all better for it. I read about, I'd never heard of this, it's called the Mothball Navy. Have you heard of the Mothball Navy? Apparently there are over 700 ships, at least there were at one point, over 700 ships that are not in active service, that are stored somewhere, that the Navy maintains, particularly preventing rust. That's a lot of ships, huh? The reason they're called the Mothball Navy is because they're kind of in storage. They're over there, they're not active. And as I read that, I'm like, man, I don't want to be First Baptist Mothball Church. You know, because the preacher gets up and thinks it's his job to do everything. And none of the ships, none of the armada is commissioned for service. It's just sitting in storage, maybe just waiting to be asked, maybe looking for their place. Oh, I was going to do that, but the, I guess the preacher's doing it. And I guess this person's doing it. No, we all have a place. We don't want to be that kind of... We want to be the kind of place where each of us finds our role, each of us having been welcomed to the table by the blood of Jesus Christ, by his gift of salvation through his death and resurrection, find our spot to serve him so that ultimately, and here's the benefit, all of us, all of us grow up, mature, are united, and work together making a difference for the kingdom of God. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you that in your wisdom you have given us each other. We weren't made to go it alone. We weren't made to be trying to do everything ourselves. But God, we were created with abilities and giftedness to bring to the table. And Lord, I thank you that in your sovereignty you put together the church, you put together this church in a way that would best glorify you and serve our community so that we could find our spot. That we could do those works of service that help us and the body to be built up, to grow, to mature, to be united. And so Lord today I pray that you'll on the one hand forgive me for the the poor way I've done the things I've done, and not being the kind of leader Paul writes about. Looking for ways to involve and allow more people to work together. I pray also, Lord, that you might show each of us here the place that we have, the way that we can serve, not just this church, but serve you through the the way you've built us and, and the passions you've given us, so that ultimately you will be glorified and your church will be built up. God, I pray as we come to our time of response that you might convict our hearts in those ways, that you might show us our place at the table, our role, our ministry. We give you now these moments, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen.